You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Good morning, North Valley. What is left after Christmas? Anybody already have all the decorations down? Christmas is done. It's over. You did it like the 26th, right? Party poopers, man. Right? How many have them up? They're going to be up for another, yeah, lights are still on the house. Another 30 days, right? Maybe by February 14th, right? Then, right? Okay, yeah. What's often left after Christmas is the mess to clean up, right? Right? Many of you have had those homes where all the kids got all the presents and, and everything's been unwrapped and there's wrapping paper everywhere and boxes everywhere and, and uh, you bring out the trash bags and load them all up with all the stuff. Listen, did you know that at Christmas time, 28 billion pounds of edible food, right, some said cheese, 125,000 tons of plastic packaging, 38,000 miles of ribbon, not to mention all the shopping bags and all the paper and all the, and all the bows will add an additional 1 million tons of trash at Christmas time. That's a lot of garbage, right? That's a lot of trash. Did you know that many of you, you know, maybe got the, the latest cell phone this year? Anybody uh, move up on their cell phone? Yep, and all those old cell phones, about 90% of them will end up in the trash. Um, Americans cut down 33 million Christmas trees to put up in our homes and decorate, right? And then a few days later, they'll be in the trash. Uh, but by Easter, half of the toys that you bought your kids by Easter will be broken and in the trash, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I know that, right? Yeah. And I wonder how many gifts actually get thrown up, thrown in the trash. And is that, it only happened to me in my house where after you've you know, cleaned up all the stuff and there's that, that gift card that came in the card or that small present or whatever, it's like, where did that go? I know I opened that. And then you got to go dumpster dive in the trash and, and find that thing, right? Because that happens sometimes. Sometimes the gifts actually get thrown out in the trash, right? It's the whole the whole start of Toy Story 3, right? The toys get accidentally thrown in the trash. And so today, I want to trash talk you. No, I'm just kidding. I want to have a trash talk with you. As we close out 2017 and move into 2018, I want to have a trash talk. And so our primary text from the Bible today is in Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to turn there in your Bible or go on your YouVersion Bible app or whatever a Bible app you might have on your mobile device, the primary text, I'm going to give you lots of scripture today, but the primary text is in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. See, we got to be very careful to pick up the gifts before we throw out the trash, Right? It may be the holidays, but there's still a lot of trash. Unfortunately, at this time of year, the holiday time, you know, Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year's, sometimes there's a lot of garbage that surfaces during these times. Garbage in our relationships and in our families and um, on our jobs and just things come to the surface. Our own like ghosts of Christmas past, our brokenness and failures and regrets and uh, loneliness. I mean, this time of year, there's just lots of depression and suicide and anxiety and, and all these things. I mean, it seems, I don't know what it is, but the holidays, they either, they either intensify all the joy and the celebration and the excitement, or they intensify the, the pain 
and the struggle and, and the challenges in our lives. And so many of us did a lot of cleanup this year after Christmas. Many of you will celebrate New Year's tonight, um, and you'll be lots of cleanup in the morning. You know, I'll probably be in bed by eight. Sorry about that. Dina will have to wake me up at midnight and, you know, do the annual kiss, and then we'll be good, right? And so my encouragement for us as we exit 2017 and enter 2018 And from the writer of Hebrews here, our take-home truth today is we need to throw out our trash and pick up his gifts. We need to throw out our trash and pick up God's gifts. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, listen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. That word there in that first verse, in the original language, lay aside, or your your Bible might say throw off, it's the word apotithemi. It literally means to to put aside, to throw away, to, to toss, to cast off, even more literally to put into prison, to give up, to renounce these things. This word is used 12 times in the New Testament in nine different verses, many of which I'm going to share with you today. And so the question is, is what or who has weighed you down in 2017? What is weighing you down? What trash do you need to throw out today? What gifts do you need to pick up? I want to share today in this trash talk four, I think, are some of the heaviest weights that we deal with four of the heaviest things, that it's time to lay them aside, to throw them out and pick up God's gifts instead. And so first, number one, if you're following along in your notes on the program, throw out your sin and pick up God's grace. Throw out your sin and pick up God's grace. Right there in verse one, every weight and sin which clings so closely, it says, Paul also writes in Romans chapter 13, apotithemi, remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. He says, don't participate in the darkness of wild parties. It's New Year's Eve, just saying. And drunkenness is right there. Or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. He says, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. He writes in Ephesians 4, apotithemi, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. He says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, He says, apotithemi, get rid of all bitterness, rage, 
anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. In James chapter 1, we see it again, apatithomy, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God, the word God has planted in your hearts for it is the power to save your souls. In 1 Peter chapter 2, apatithome, get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. It's a fact. We're all sinners. Not one amen. I understand, right? right? No one amens that one. We all sin, right? Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But listen, we don't have to carry it or the guilt from it around. We can be forgiven. How do we throw out our sin and pick up God's grace? 1 John 1.9 tells us, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You might be sitting here this morning saying, oh, Randy, you don't, God could never forgive me for some of the stuff I've done. You don't know some of the sins I've committed. Really? There's this story about King David, right? King David, the man after God's own heart, the, the, the man that God chose to be king over Israel. And you can read the details of it later in Psalm chapter 32. But, but after trying to hide for a year, David is called to repentance by the prophet Nathan for committing adultery with Bathsheba, if that wasn't enough, and then murdering her husband. King David, handpicked by God. With God's help, he defeated all of his enemies. He was totally devoted to God. He, there, there was nothing he could not accomplish because God was with him. But at the peak of his reign as king, he commits the most despicable sin and then tries to hide about it. But then he writes verses 1 through 5 of Psalm 32. Listen. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. David writes, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat, but finally I confessed all my sins to you. And I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. And it says in there, all my guilt is gone. That's God's grace. See, after Romans 3.23 is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. His grace is sufficient. The punishment of our sin has already been paid. Before the creation of the world, God already planned that, that Jesus would, would suffer for our sins. God came to earth as a babe and was born in, in a manger and was our gift for the sole purpose to live a life to head to the cross and die for our sins, for forgiveness, for our eternal life. There's, there's no sin left unpunished. 
for those who trust Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. It was all done on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. And you say, Randy, but okay, you know, I can forgive them and I can accept God's grace, but I just can't forgive myself. I just could never forgive myself. Really? I have a problem with that. I don't see that in scripture anywhere. Please, somebody show me a scripture that says, forgive yourself. When you say, I just can't forgive myself for what I've done, what you're really saying is you're refusing to accept God's forgiveness. So as we move into 2018, throw out your sin, pick up God's grace, amen? Number two, throw out your failures and pick up wisdom. Throw out your failures and pick up wisdom. Paul writes in Philippians chapter three, he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He says, I I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and with patient endurance with godliness and with godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. He says, do these things and you will never fall away. I mean, we've all failed at some point. We have failed as parents to our children. As children, we have failed to our parents. We've made some wrong decisions. We've said wrong things. We've done wrong things in our relationships, on our jobs, in our careers. We failed ourselves at times. But what what Paul and Peter are saying here is, don't get bogged down with your past failings. Don't dwell on them. They keep us from moving forward to the future that God has for us. Throw them out. Pick up his wisdom. John Maxwell, in his book, Failing Forward, he says, when you fail, fail forward. Fail forward. He says, fail forward, and when you find yourself on the ground, pick up something while you're down there. In other words, learn from it. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. You want wisdom for your life? Read the Proverbs. They're loaded with wisdom. Like Proverbs 24.16 that says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. When you fail, when we fail, when we mess up, when we, when we, it doesn't matter if it's with people or with tasks or projects. If you fail, own it, admit it, be honest, apologize, take responsibility, say you're sorry, ask for feedback, learn from it. There's this tool belt we wear called life. Get those tools that you don't have in your tool belt. Don't let it become a pattern. Be wise. Failing does not make you a failure. 
but failing to learn from your failings might make you a failure. Throw out your failures, pick up wisdom. Number three, throw out your grudges and pick up forgiveness. I already preached a whole sermon on forgiveness here a couple months ago, I don't know, a month or two ago. Go listen to that on the podcast. But as a reminder, I mean, God himself said in Leviticus 19, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. You know what a grudge is? A grudge is a deep, ongoing resentment that we, we cultivate in our hearts against someone else. It's an unforgiving spirit that leads to unforgiving attitudes and unforgiving behaviors and actions. It's nursing your dislike for someone. It's like, oh, my precious, you know. Some of you got that reference. Grudges are dangerous. They destroy relationships. They destroy marriages. They destroy families. They destroy churches. Grudge holding hurts you more than the offender. It hurts you more. Max Lucado says, Unforgiving servants always end up in prison. Prisons of anger, prisons of guilt, prisons of depression. A very wise woman once told me, holding a grudge is like you drinking poison and expecting them to die. Destructive. Even Ann Landers figured it out when she said, Hanging on to resentment is letting someone you despise live rent-free in your head. Picture that. We got to throw out our grudges and we need to forgive people. Right? Remember Peter in Matthew 18, he asked Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Well, big number, Peter. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Do the math. No, not just 49 times, right? Always forgive. Jesus said in Mark 11, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Paul writes in Romans 12, live in harmony with each other. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. He says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Later again, in Colossians 3, he writes, apatithemi, get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off apatithemi, your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature, he says. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. When someone has offended you, do you you ignore the offense? No. Do you hold a grudge? Absolutely not. Do you pretend it didn't happen? No. Do you condone it? No. Do you sweep it under the rug? No. Do you minimize it? No. Do you forget about it? No. Forgive and forget? Yeah, that's a lie. Acknowledge it? Yes. Forgive it? Yes. Who are you holding a grudge against? 
Who do you need to forgive? Who needs forgiveness from you? Don't go into the next year with that. Maybe it's a parent who did something to you or didn't do something for you. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor or a friend, some grievance. Maybe it's somebody sitting in church with you right now. Oh, forgive. And don't tell me that, that you, that, 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 don't tell me or God that you can't forgive. I just can't forgive, Randy. You don't know. You don't know how bad it hurt. I could never forgive that. Really? You know what that means, right? It means you refuse to forgive. It means you won't. Then if that's the case, I take you back to Scripture. (laughs) Forgiveness frees you. It doesn't free them. It doesn't let them off the hook. It frees you. It takes two to fully reconcile, but only takes one to forgive. Many of you know I love Medea. I don't know why. There's, that's my alter ego. There's a big old fat black woman living inside of me. She says, when someone hurts you, they take power over you. And when you don't forgive, they keep the power. She says, there are people dead in the graves still have power over people walking this earth because they don't forgive. That's some truth. Throw out your grudges. Pick up forgiveness. Throw out your sin. Pick up God's grace. Throw out your failures. Pick up wisdom. Throw out your grudges. Pick up forgiveness. Number four, who this is a big one too. Throw out your unhealthy relationships and pick up yourself. Now hear me on this one. I am not saying throw people away. We don't throw people away. We love people. God calls us to love him and love others. We don't throw people away. But what I read in Ecclesiastes chapter three, the first eight verses is this, for everything there is a season. There's a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones and there's a time to gather stones, it says. There's a time to embrace and a time to turn away. There's a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Do you notice the trend there? Before any change could start, there was an ending first. Before there was any new beginning, there was an ending. Sometimes the good can't begin until the bad ends. The unhealthy can't, the healthy can't begin until the unhealthy ends. Why do we hang on to unhealthy, unfixable, ungodly even relationships? What are we afraid of? What are we, 
Who are we putting our trust in? Who's our faith really in? What is it that we don't know what to do? What, what do we not know how to say? Who are we enabling? Who are we codepending? I know about codependency because I are one. In his book, Necessary Endings, great biblical, practical book, Necessary Endings by Dr. By Dr. Henry Cloud, he talks about when we're going through stuff in a relationship, there's either pain with a purpose or there's pain for no reason. Pain for no good reason. He talks about these five internal maps we use to rationalize our unhealthy decisions. You know, as a pastor, I counsel people and couples and marriages and pre-marriage and post-marriage and, and families. I've done it for years. I was counseling a woman one time. She had been divorced for eight years already. She had lost her health. She had lost her business. Two of her three kids didn't even want to live with her anymore. They went to move with dad. Now she was losing her house and she wanted counsel. She wouldn't let go of her ex-husband who had already married and moved on. Like, let it go, right? How does that serenity prayer go? Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to hide the bodies of those people I had to kill because they made me so mad. No, that's not what it says. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. There's a difference, right? Dr. Cloud talks about hoping versus wishing because there's a big difference. There's, I hope this will change, and there's, I wish this would change. Hope comes from real, objective, biblical, Holy Spirit-led reasons that the future is going to be different from the past. He says, anything else is just a wish. He says, get to a point of what he calls healthy hopelessness, or what I might call healthy acceptance. Something's got to change. You say, man, Randy... I might be in an unhealthy relationship, a relationship I was never supposed to be in, a relationship outside of God's plan for me. Well, here's how you figure that out. See, there's three types of people in the world, those that can count and those that can't. Come on, just kidding. You got to know who you're dealing with. Dr. Cloud talks about there's three types of people. There are wise people, foolish people, and evil people. Here's how, when you're dealing with a wise person, here's how you know if this relationship, it might be in my home, it might be at work, it might be in my neighborhood, in my church, I don't know. Wise people, when the truth gets presented to them, when they are confronted with what's going on, they see the light, they take it in, they make a change, they make adjustments, they listen, they learn, they, they, they get better, they take it to heart, they make a difference, they problem solve, they, they truly repent. Man, if you're dealing with that kind of person in a relationship, keep talking and get more resources. There's hope. Keep talking. Get resources, counseling, coaching, training. But you might be dealing with a foolish person. Here's how you know you're dealing with a foolish person. A fool doesn't adjust themselves. They try to adjust the truth. 
They reject feedback. They resist feedback. They explain it away. They do nothing to adjust. They feel stuck. They get defensive. They don't own their stuff. They, they don't take responsibility. They're, they're constantly producing collateral damage in other relationships. Other people around them suffer more consequences than they do because they're, they're a fool. A wise person will change themselves, but a foolish person tries to change the truth. Jesus said in Matthew 18, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Do not post it on Facebook. No, he didn't put that. Mm. If If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. That's a wise person. Keep talking. Keep building the relationship. Get resources But in verse 16, it says, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you may say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, that's a foolish person. That's the fool. Take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt tax collector. When you recognize foolish behavior, you realize an ending is near. (laughs) Maybe not with the person, but with the current status of the relationship. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're dealing with a fool, you stop talking. You pursue limits and consequences. Good, godly, healthy decisions. And then there are evil people. There just are. There are people, there are evil people in the world. Am I right? There are. There are people in the world who hurt you. They hurt us. Not intentionally, not I didn't mean for that to happen, not that was not my intent, but on purpose. They seek out to hurt you and destroy you. They're intentionally divisive. They enjoy it when we fail. There's a story in 1 Corinthians 5 about a man who has an affair with his stepmom. Jerry, Jerry, right? (laughs) Then he marries her. Jerry. Listen to what it says. It says, throw this man out and hand him over to Satan. That's in the Bible. Why? So that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. If you're dealing with an evil person, don't talk, pursue protection. It might involve the law. I don't know. It might involve attorneys. It might involve you moving. I don't know but don't talk, pursue protection. See, whereas you talk to wise people about problems, you talk to fools about consequences, you don't talk to the evil. It's like run, forest, run. See, because it's all about hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Dr. Cloud says the quicker you get to what he calls healthy hopelessness or healthy acceptance, the quicker the necessary ending can happen. 
Someone once said, there's no need to miss someone from your past. There's a reason they didn't make it to your future. Right? Are you holding on to something? Some sin, some failure, some grudge, some toxic relationship that needs to go. It's time to throw out the trash, pick up God's gifts. If we don't throw out the trash and pick up the gifts, if we don't, if we don't let go of something God never intended for us to hold on to in the first place, one of two things is going to happen. One, we're going to miss God's next big thing for us, which could be tomorrow. It could be 2018. Or we're no longer operating under his grace or his power. We're out there on our own. That is no place to be, right? If we didn't get it done and completed with God in it, what makes us think we can finish it on our own? Right? Pride keeps us from, pride keeps us from, keeps us holding on to things that God already threw out. And so as we move into 2018, that's just my encouragement for you. Throw out your sin, pick up God's grace. Throw out your failures, pick up wisdom. Throw out your grudges, pick up forgiveness. Throw out your unhealthy relationships and pick up yourself. We need to throw out our trash and pick up his gifts. Amen? You know how sometimes after Christmas, all the gifts are unwrapped, and everyone's opening their stuff, and there's wrapping paper everywhere, and man, you went out of your way. You, you drove hundreds of miles. You texted everybody you knew because you had to find that fingerling monkey thing for your grandbabies, and you had to get four of them. One each different color because they can't have the same one, you know, because then if they're all over at the same time, they're going to... And then they open it up and they don't even want to play with that. They're playing with the box. You know those kids I'm talking about? They'd rather play with the box and the plastic and the... Listen, Jesus didn't hang on a cross so we could play with the nails. It's time to throw some stuff out and pick up his gifts. How? The big how in that verse, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Or thank you for your word. Thank you for this just simple, practical reminder, God. We need to go into 2018 with a lighter load, Lord. We need to throw some stuff out. We need to clean some stuff out. Lord, I don't, I don't know who it is in the room, Lord, but for some of us, it's, it's sin that we're entangled in. We need to confess it to you, God, and be forgiven and be freed from that and pick up your grace Lord, others, 2017 has, has been a failure or has had some failures in it. God, it's time to, to throw those out and pick up some wisdom. God, for some of us in the room, we're, we're hang, we're, we have grudges with people that we won't forgive, or there's people that need forgiveness from us that we won't grant. God, I pray that we could be free from that today. And Lord, there are, there are, there are relationships in our lives that, you don't even want there. So Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that 
that these truths would sink deep into our hearts and our minds as we move into a a new year. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.